Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Radio Astronomy, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners, it's time for the December episode of Radio Astronomy. I'm news editor Ezzy Pearson and I'm joined in the studio today by production editor Neil McKim. Hello. Coming up later, we'll be telling you how to see the Geminids meteor shower in our stargazing tip of the month. But first, we'll take a look at a topic that we learned all about whilst putting together this month's issue. Now, on the 23rd of November, which is actually just a few days after this podcast is due to go out, NASA is due to launch their latest space mission, one that I think you'll all agree is going to be a little bit more than dramatic. The mission is called DART, which stands for the Double Asteroid Redirection Test Spacecraft. And it's basically a NASA-driven test of defence technologies for preventing an impact on Earth by hazardous space rock. Its current launch window stretches from the 24th of November 2021 to the 15th of February next year. And the intention of the mission is to try and deliberately collide a spacecraft with a space rock to change its orbit. In order to do this, a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket will send the DART spacecraft on a collision course with the small moon of the asteroid Didymos, which was discovered in 1996. The 360-kilogram DART spacecraft, about the size of a golf cart, will deliberately crash itself into the space rock at a velocity of 6.6 kilometres a second in the autumn of 2022. When DART smashes into the object, telescopes back on Earth will measure the resulting change in the Moon's orbit and the event will be witnessed up close by the tiny LICIA Cube satellite, which stands for the Light Italian CubeSat for Imaging Asteroids. Mm. DART itself is a basic spacecraft built by the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory and it's 
power will be provided by two rollout solar arrays. As DART approaches its target on board is a high-resolution camera, DRACO, and this will navigate the spacecraft and take measurements of the target as it approaches, including its size and shape. Then DART will be intentionally destroyed less than a year from now when it slams into the rock. The target in question, Dimorphos, measures about 160 metres across and, as mentioned, orbits the asteroid Didymos, Greek for twins, which is almost five times larger. Didymos itself is a typical near-Earth asteroid, discovered in 1996 by the Space Watch project at Kitt Peak National Observatory. It rotates every 2.6 hours. And its 2.11-year path around the Sun takes it from the main asteroid belt just outside Earth's orbit. Astronomers discovered the small moon Didymos in 2003. Dimorphos itself orbits the main asteroid every 11.9 hours at just 1.2 kilometres, moving at a leisurely pace, which has been compared to the walking speed of a tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> And it is hoped that the destructive impact of the DART spacecraft will change this velocity by less than a millimetre a second. So the DART mission will shorten the orbit of Dimorphos that it takes around asteroid Didymos by 10 minutes. Mm. And scientists aren't exactly sure what will happen, but it will be very interesting to see the results. Yeah, I'm. it's... Just it's incredible when you think about it. They're just going to send this spacecraft all the way across this huge distance to then smash it into an, an asteroid, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just to see what will happen, basically. But it's not just uh, Dart by itself that they're, that they're going to be sending. Um, there is also, in a couple of years, going to be the Hera follow-up mission, uh, which is actually being done by the European Space Agency, ESA. Um, initially, it was supposed to be called a mission called AIM, or the Asteroid Impact Mission, and it was going to get there before DART reached it and be able to, to watch things as they unfolded. Um, unfortunately, back in 2016, the ESA um, council, who decides exactly you know where money's going to go, decided that they weren't going to fund the AIM mission and instead scaled that back to be the HERA mission that would come along a couple of years later, which was a shame because it really would have been a, a massive advantage to be able to see this, to, to monitor the asteroid beforehand and then see how it changed afterwards. But still, HERA will be able to do a lot. Uh, it's now planned to launch in October 2024 um, and will then eventually rendezvous with the double asteroid in October 2026, um, possibly 2027 if things don't go, if the launch gets delayed. Once it gets there, it will really get to know the asteroid system the binary system as well as it possibly can. It will have uh, highly advanced cameras on board. It will um, use something called LIDAR, which is basically radar, but uh, with light, hence lie, um, instead of radio waves. Um, and that really gets to know the, the surface topology of the the two, two bodies. Specifically, it will be really focusing in on that crater that DART formed. Um, this is, of course, assuming that, you know, the impact doesn't cause the asteroid to break apart entirely. Um, that doesn't seem likely. You know, these asteroids are, I think it's 160 metres across is the moon, um, something like that. Uh, um, and 
dart is only, you know, like a tiny little thing. So it probably won't cause it to completely fracture, even though these things sometimes are just, you know, loosely held together bags of pebbles. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, that, that's also, you know, one of the things that we'll be looking for. It's like if you do throw something at an asteroid, does it break apart completely or does it just form a crater? Uh, it will also be really accurately measuring the mass of these two things because that's one of the things they want to know. They can accurately measure how the the timing change, so they can accurately measure how much they've managed to slow down Didymorphos as it's going in orbit around Didymos. But in order to know how much of a change you've managed to make, you really need to know um, what the mass of the object is, and that's something that Hera will be able to provide. So it will be doing lots of investigation after the fact, really getting to to grips with these this, um, and also it will just really help us investigate um, a binary asteroid system. It will be the first time that a space mission has got a close-up view of a binary asteroid system, but they make up about 15% of the asteroid population out there. So if we want to understand, you know, how these things formed, you know, why are these two close together? Did do they originally seem to be the same thing and then a bit broke off? Or were they two completely separate items that just happened to get close together and ended up in orbit. Um, all of these things will really help us understand a lot more about how the asteroid belt operates and and even, you know, going back into the that how our solar system was formed. Because that's one of the real reasons why people are scientifically interested in asteroids. They have a kind of like the grab bag that's left over from the formation of the solar system. And so by understanding them, we can understand much more about our our solar system. And that's why, uh, in fact, DART and Hera aren't the only missions that are going to be heading to asteroids. Yes, Lucy is a NASA spacecraft that will explore the asteroids orbiting alongside Jupiter. It launched on the 16th of October and is already on its way to study the Trojan asteroids. Uh, these are asteroids that share Jupiter's orbit around the Sun, either 60 degrees ahead or 60 degrees behind the giant planet. And there's thought to be at least a million of them larger than one kilometre in diameter. The aim is for Lucy to conduct a flyby of the asteroid Donald Johansson uh, of the main belt in April 2025. And then in 2027, Lucy will arrive in the leading cloud of Trojans, studying four of them in detail. Next, in 2031, the spacecraft will orbit the second largest Trojan, Patroclus, which is accompanied by a smaller companion known as Menotius. It will study the composition and surface characteristics of these dark, puzzling objects, hopefully shedding light on their origin and on the early evolution of our solar system. Then there's Psyche, which is another NASA mission um, to learn more about asteroids, but this will just focus on one, its namesake, a 220-kilometre diameter space rock made mostly from iron and nickel, a so-called M-type asteroid. The launch of Psyche is scheduled for August 2022 on a Falcon Heavy rocket with an expected arrival date at its target in 2026. The asteroid Psyche named after the Greek goddess of the soul, is one of the 10 most massive known asteroids due to its metal content, and its surface is around 90% metal. It's thought that Psyche is likely to be the exposed metallic core of a protoplanet that lost its silicate mantle in a collision with another asteroid billions of years ago. If this theory is correct, then the mission will offer a unique way to look at the exposed core of a solar system body. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So, of course, we have all of those uh, missions heading towards uh, distant asteroids, um, which have made aimed a respectful distance from Earth. But not all asteroids do that. Sometimes uh, asteroids do come much closer to Earth. And in fact, there's about 27,000 what are called near-Earth objects known. Um, and these are, are space rocks that come within about 1.3 AU or point. Uh, three times the Earth-Sun distance. About 99% of those are asteroids. And the reason why we know how many of those are is because a lot of people have been paying a lot of attention to them and trying to make sure that we know as many of them as possible. And in fact, in 1998, NASA stated that it wanted to discover 90% of near-Earth objects uh, that are larger than a kilometre. And by 2005, uh, Congress had actually changed that to 90% of the ones over 140 metres. But why those particular sizes? Well, it's because if they are coming that close to Earth, there is a risk that they might one day hit Earth. And the size that an asteroid is, the amount corresponds to how much damage it could potentially do to us here on Earth. Um, and we don't particularly want to go the way of the dinosaurs. We would <laughs> quite, like, if we can find a way to avoid being hit by an asteroid, I think we should. And what is generally said is that uh, asteroids over about a kilometre, that sort of size, those are the ones where you're talking about global consequences, massive uh, changes to climate, um, being thrown into a nuclear winter, that sort of thing. Um, th that was about the size that, that did for the dinosaurs was a kilometre asteroid. However, an asteroid that's over about 140 metres, ones of that sort of order, those are big enough to take out a city. You know, they would cause significant localised damage. So we definitely want to know where those ones are. And so what a lot of these searches have been doing is taking regular pictures of the night sky. Um, and then if you compare a picture that's taken one night to the next night, because asteroids are fairly slow moving, but they do move across this night sky. It's one of the things we talk about quite often in the, the Sky Guide is, is how you can find these asteroids and track them progressively overnight. And that's what these surveys do. Um, things like the Catalina Sky Survey in Arizona, Pan Stars in Hawaii, um, and even the Space Watch that actually found Didymos in the first place. They take all of these repeat wide field pictures of the night sky and look for bright spots that are moving from one night to the next. And those are asteroids. Um, and we now think that there are about... 2,000 what are called potentially hazardous asteroids. So these are ones that come with within 1.5 million kilometres of Earth, so close enough that it's a bit worrying and we want to make sure we know where they are, and are over 140 metres because that's the sort of size when you're going to start causing significant damage. Um, that said, you know, smaller asteroids can still be a problem. Um, in Chelyabinsk in 2013, you might remember on the news that there was a, a massive explosion heard overhead, and that was an asteroid that was probably only about 20, 30 metres across, exploding in the atmosphere. Um, however, trying to find all of those is probably a bit of a big ask, um, but the larger ones we can definitely find. But 
finding an asteroid is just one part of the problem. There's not much part point finding these, you know, potentially hazardous asteroids if you can't do anything about it. Um, and there's lots of people who've been thinking about how you might possibly be able to to slow down an asteroid. Uh, there's been entire movies written about it, you know, Armageddon, Deep Impact, all of those sorts of things are looking at how you might possibly, you know, use nuclear bombs and stuff to blow them off course. But actually, we think the most effective way is to do what DART is doing, which is just slow it down. If you manage to catch an asteroid in enough time when it's far enough away from Earth, even slowing it down by, I think it was a millimetre per second that DART's going to slow down Diddy Moon. Um, sorry, I called it Diddy Moon, which was what Diddy Morphos used to be called. And I think it's a much better name, but it's not its proper name. So it's going to slow down Diddy Morphos by about a millimetre per second. Um and over about 10 years, even that tiny change would be enough that by the time the asteroid got to Earth, Earth had been moved to a different place of its orbit. So Earth isn't there anymore and there's no risk of a collision. Um, and there's, in fact, a, a project that they're thinking about. So um, building something called Hammer, um, which would be a much larger version of, of DART that would be ready to just send off and go and smash into a big asteroid that's on its way. Um, and it would be capable of deflecting a large asteroid uh, with a couple of years notice or a 30 meter asteroid if there was only a couple of months notice. Um because, you know, it's easier to move smaller things than it is to move large things. So it's definitely, it's one of those things that people have been worried, quite rightly, about for a while. Um, it's probably, even though the, the the risk of it happening today is, is low, eventually the Earth is going to get impacted by an asteroid. But thankfully, because of people like DART and HERA and all of these um, Space Watch missions out there, um, the risk is significantly lower than it might be otherwise, that we'll at least know it's coming. Now it's time for the stargazing tip of the month. The Geminid meteor shower is among the year's favourite observing events. As with any meteor shower, its success is dictated by the weather and the phase of the moon. This year, the shower reaches its peak around 7am on the 14th of December, making the nights of the 13th and 14th and 14th and 15th the best ones for viewing it. The moon is in an advanced waxing phase around this time, 78% illuminated in a waxing gibbous phase on the evening of the 13th and setting around 3am on the 14th. Although this isn't ideal, the long dark December nights mean that there will still be around three hours of darkness left to enjoy what the Shah has to deliver in the early morning. The Geminids has an excellent zenithal hourly rate, of 140 to 150 meteors per hour. The best observing advice to spot a Geminid this year will be to get some sleep on the night of the 13th, 14th, setting your alarm clock for about 2 a.m. in the morning to wake up. Then prepare yourself with some warm clothing and perhaps a hot drink and a flask and head out. So that's it from us this month. You can read more about the DART mission in the December issue of BBC Sky Night magazine, where we also take a tour around the midwinter Milky Way, find out what quantum soup and nuclear pasta are and how they relate to neutron stars, and take a look at how the constellation Bortes got his hunting dogs. And that's not forgetting our regular sections that will help you unlock the wonders of the night sky, find the right equipment to observe it with, and discover the best things to see after dark this month. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Radio Astronomy Podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Brittany Colley. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.